Tonight I want to speak a little bit more about the mind. First I thought to take a small text describing what is the mind and a few aspects of our meditation. But reading it I thought that it, in a sense it was very formal and um, repeat itself. So I thought it's better maybe if I just give explanation like that. Trying to find examples sometimes, which may sometimes be tricky, because examples may work in some sense and not in some other. But I would like to go a little bit into this inquiry, into what is the mind, tonight. But to inquire into what is the mind, the way I will do it tonight, by speaking, it is a very strange thing. It's like, uh, I would quote a writer which I like very much, Blanchot, he would say it is like to know silence by hearsay. So to know the mind by uh, hearing a Dharma talk, it will be not uh, clearer than knowing silence by hearsay. However, I'm going to uh, speak about mind and inquire into what it is. We saw wisdom the other evening in reflecting on what was the self and the nature of the self. And we saw that in the tradition, Mayana tradition and the Tibetan tradition also, one is questioning the nature of the self to realize that it does not truly exist. And then one would also question the nature of phenomena to realize that they don't really truly exist. And that's the way one can develop wisdom realizing the non-true existence of the world in which we are living and also the non-true existence of ourselves. Here, on the meditation on the nature of the mind, actually, if we understand truly the nature of the mind, we will, at the same time, realize what is the nature of the self and what is the nature of the phenomena. We will, at the same time, realize what is the nature of the subject and what is the nature of the object, just by the meditation on the nature of the mind. Therefore, it will serve also the need for developing wisdom. I have used the term mind, because I found it the shortest and maybe the most easy to use. In a general sense, one could use consciousness, and I have used sometimes awareness also. I should say that in the Tibetan tradition, the term used is uh, Sam, which is a very ordinary term for mind. And when they want to speak about the nature or the essence, they speak about Sam Mi. And Mi is just a, a way to reinforce, it's like we speak about mind and about the very mind. So they, most of the time, don't use a sophisticated word, another one. When they use Rigpa sometimes, 
Rigpa is also a very common word. So it seems that the way that we use a very ordinary term for mind is maybe the most appropriated. That we don't start to believe that the mind that we are inquiring in the nature of is something special outside of our daily experience. It's some kind of very esoteric and mystic mind that we are going to try to inquire into the nature of. What we are inquiring into the nature of is our ordinary mind. We wonder what, what it is. In a sense, the mind is exactly what the body cannot do, all those actions that the body cannot do. So the mind is when one sees uh, something, maybe what can think, oh that's nice, that's not nice, or one hears something, oh that's interesting, that's not interesting, or tasting some food, oh that's good, that's sweet, or that's bitter. And of course for the other smell, smelling uh, something, that smells good, or that doesn't smell good, or touching something, or that's smooth, or that's rough. So that which you think, that's smooth, that's rough, that's good, that bad, that blue, that yellow, that is the mind. Also, just what sees and hears, smell, taste, just seeing, hearing, touching, and also thinking, that's the mind. Uh, thinking mind, we may imagine that sometimes thoughts are arising based on the past. We call them past thoughts, but of course it's not a thought which was in the past, it's a thought which is arising now, but concerning something which is past. So there is some thought may arise and they are concerning yesterday or 2000 years ago or whatever. So of course this referring to something which does not exist anymore. In the present experience of the mind, something is arising which does not exist anymore, but we like to consider, but the content it does not exist truly. Or we may consider something that may, that we like to happen after the retreat, so we are considering something to come in the future. But now, and this thing also does not exist yet, and may not exist the way we imagine that it will exist. So again, the what is thought of does not truly exist. So we see that we can drop what is concerning what refers to the past and that which refers to the future. Now in the present situation, then we may be sitting here and we may also have some kind of concept or thought. Or tonight it's quite clear still. Or the birds are singing, singing, or whatever. One can still bring some element of concept with respect to what's happening now. I'm tired, or whatever. One is usually quite creative with thinking. So there are many thoughts may arise in the present, or only the structuration, the structure of a subject and an object. I here. This is also some concept arising right now in our mind. So many ways past 
does not exist, future it does not exist yet, and in the present we may also have way of thinking, and sometimes some uh, way which are more habitual pattern, like to think of, conceive of a subject, hearing, sounds, for example. And that is what we are now thinking conceptually, in a subtle way, in a habitual way, within the present mind. Now, it, it would be possible for the mind, or it is possible for the mind, not to have thought about the past, not to have thought about the future, and not to conceive of anything in the present. Just making comment about what's happening, and not holding the notion of a subject and object. When that is the case, then the nature of the mind appears of its own. It's clear. You know, nothing can hide it. So when there is no thought naturally, then the nature of the mind appears clearly. And that may sometimes be our experience in meditation. We stop to consider past, uh, to cling to, grasp to past consideration, to future anticipation. We stop also to make something out of the present instant. And at this time, the mind, or awareness, if you wish to express it in this way, is clear of its own. No, no need to look for it somewhere else. So one sees that it does appear clear of its own when there is no thought, no concept. So my speaking tonight is at least to fill this, ga- this gap that I am sure you will have concept. In the present situation, I'm giving all the thoughts, concepts, trying to inquire into this space which would appear very clearly when there will be no thoughts or concepts. So you see how truthful can my words be? If we in a very easy way we'll just be able to abide without any thoughts or concepts, then there will be no need to express or to explain anything about the meditation and the nature of the mind. Hopefully that may give us some guideline and trust that we may not believe that there is a need for cultivation of anything to realize the nature of the mind. Now when I express that this way, it doesn't mean that thought will be necessarily hiding the nature of the mind. If we are aware of the nature of the thought, past, future, present, then we can be aware that they are also of the nature of the mind. But when we want to use a thought to think, then we usually are holding, grasping to their content. If when I'm speaking, I was aware of the empty nature of the thought, then at this time there would be no grasping for me, and when listening, if you were empty, uh, aware of the emptiness, nature of those thoughts, then you would stay just in awareness. Thoughts do not hide, yet using them 
then we are using their meaning and here of course we usually will be carried away or carried along with all the thoughts which are expressed the mind is the definition in the classical text is that which is clear and knowing one aspect of the expression clear um, means here that it is not um, veiled by anything of its own it is not uh, a brownish or blackish think or it is not uh, solid clear means that it is it is no concrete it has no characteristic and knowing that just the quality of the mind that whenever something is arising it is known the mind knows doesn't need any to add anything to the mind to know one doesn't need to add anything to the mind to know the mind uh, if you the mind has no choice, it knows that just its nature. Like the fire burns, you can say the fire would choose to burn or not to burn. The mind knows something is appearing, the mind knows, and that's all. Can't say, I won't, I don't want to know. That is a concept, and that one may be pushing around, but the mind's nature is to know. Now, the way sometimes it is expressed, it is said it is clear and empty, clear, here, or luminous, refer to the knowing aspect and empty to the absence of any characteristic. Clear, luminous, means that it knows, yeah? and empty, it has no characteristic of its own. Again, if the mind had characteristic of its own, then it would impose on anything we know, it would impose the characteristic of the mind. If the mind was pink, as I mentioned the other day, then all our perception will be pinkish or it could be any other quality of the mind so the mind has no characteristic of its own nothing whatsoever that's why also it can perceive different uh, phenomena and think different concepts because it has no characteristic of its own when we say no characteristic we may imagine I understand it if, if the mind had colors, it would seem strange, and I understand it cannot be solid, that would seem also very strange. But now when we say no characteristic, it means also, of course, it has no size, no dimension. Can't say the mind is, my mind is from here to here, and, and, the, and the mind of somebody, somebody else is starting from here to here. So the mind has no limit. Now when we say, okay, that's fine, it's vast. But that would be another characteristic. It has no center and it has no location. So one cannot say the man is here or the man is there or the man is there. That will still be some characteristic. So the mind has no characteristic. No location. Here, there, limits, neither vast or small. All those are just concepts that may be known by the mind. The mind itself known as none of these characteristics. And that may give some indication if we try to look for the mind, then we may try to find some characteristic. And of course that's going to be difficult because the mind has no characteristic. So what we will know, maybe we'll meet experiences which are known by the mind, but not the mind. 
can't look for it. And where are we going to look for the mind? It has no location. In many texts it says that the mind is not to be found inside, outside, or in between. So I don't imagine there are other places. There is no inside, outside, or in between. That also gives an indication in our meditation if we try to, uh, in a sense, place the mind here or there, or the attention believing that the mind would be here or there, that may bring some kind of effort in the mind, some intention, some objective, and that will be just another uh, way of clouding or veiling the nature of the mind because we'll be clinging to those contents and then the nature of the mind will not appear clearly of its own. about the aspect of subject and object. Say if we are not concerned with past and future, it may still be in our experience, sometimes, and even a bit more than sometimes, the notion or the sense of a subject and an object. I hear the birds, or I may think my thoughts. So there's a notion of a subject and an object. And those are concepts in the mind, and if we cling that as true reality, then we can't, at this time, or the mind cannot be understood, because it's veiled, it's clouded by this clinging to this concept of subject and object. There is this uh, a story expressing how to relate to that. I will make it short because I have told it already so many times. But in um, one of the sutra, when a Brahman from the south of India went to see the Buddha and asked him if he could, uh, in a nutshell, give the essential of his teaching. So the Buddha, in a very short time, wanted to give the essential, what was needed to awaken to this Brahman who had come from so far. So he told him, in, in seeing, there is just seeing, in hearing, there is just hearing, in thinking, there is just thinking, in tasting, there is just tasting, and so on for the five senses and for the mind. And he said that this Brahman, hearing that, awakened. So that is some aspect of the essential of the practice in hearing, in seeing, tasting, thinking. So just that, in seeing, just seeing. When you say in seeing, just seeing, what does it, what does it mean? What does this just mean then? So if we come to the seeing, it means that in seeing, there is no seer and no seen. 
just coming to uh, the experience there, it's like the duality of subject and object is collapsing in just the experience of seeing, and the experience of seeing is just awareness. And the same for for hearing or for all the other experiences, senses or thinking. There is no duality of a subject and an object when one can just rest in the experience itself. If one were to, or when one is building the sense of subject and object, one is just grasping to two concepts, and at this time the mind seems fragmented, there is a separation between the subject and the, the object. There is a fragmentation, a limitation, and with respect to that, then the subject, the meditator, may believe that he's here, the rest is there, and if he wants to look for his mind, then he has to look inside of the meditator. That's just a way to cling to some concept. The way that we are building up the experience. So in seeing, just seeing, hearing, just hearing. And since long time I'm looking for another story, because I think this one has been told so many times, I've not yet found a true story, but in a Sufi text I found something which, in this light, I find it brings some uh, same uh, flavor. Here the, the God is speaking, but imagine that God is really the absence of any characteristic. He says, when my servant draws near to me through devotion, I become the hearing with which he hears, the seeing with which he sees, the hands with which he touches. We get a little bit discerned that from the Sufi also, mystic of Islam, when he gets through devotion and through his practice, uh, uh, his mind is also not grasping, then the sense of himself hearing, seeing, and so on has disappeared. Even if he's empty, or the absence of the seer and the hearer, even if he likes to call that God, that's fine with his own tradition. So I found this interesting way of mentioning that. So that is an important part in our meditation, hearing, just hearing, and seeing, just seeing. In the afternoon classes, since in, in that it is also in the in touching the just touching, or if you wish, in the bodily sensation, there is just the bodily sensation or the sensing, the sensing of those experiences. That if one can come to the simplicity of resting in that experience, then there will be also no duality between object and subject. There will be no any experiencer of bodily sensation. There will be just this awareness. So one can also, while walking, or while moving, or while touching another person, also with the simplicity of that, if one does not cling at this time to the notion of an observer, and just rest within the experience, at this time, in the simplicity of the experience of non-duality, of the within, so to speak, the, the experience of the bodily sensation. Language is a bit more complicated with the bodily sensation than seeing and hearing, but within this experience, there is just awareness. 
one is not making um, subject and object they just that the interest in body sensation is that in a sense they are more heavy so to speak they are more stable like thoughts we may deal with thoughts but usually they move so fast therefore that uh, we may be uh, running after them to know exactly what they are and of course speaking here you're making at some distance and that's more complicated while the bodily sensation when we are experiencing walking uh, contacting another person that does uh, move much uh, less fast and that's in a sense a beautiful field for us to explore just this sense of simply being aware not grasping to subject object not grasping to what one would be aware of and who is aware Now one may, one may wonder sometimes when we say in seeing, just seeing we can explore that, we have done that sometimes in the afternoon classes just we have done the other day a little bit just the experience of seeing and this awareness, the experience of seeing or hearing or whatever when we are not concerned with sounds, with sight then it's just awareness and it's not different in seeing, in hearing, in thinking or whatever it's the same awareness, not that suddenly we are shifting to stay with the same awareness so if we are inquiring to what does it mean in seeing, just seeing we may have the sense that well I need an eye, there is an eye, I see I see so how can that seeing happen if there is no eye what would it mean without eye I mentioned the other night this example I would hope it works <coughs> when I say if we say the wind is blowing it doesn't mean that there is the wind and there is blowing which is separate from the wind this experience of this action there that is the wind blowing the wind and the blowing they are the same so we don't need a I see there is a scene and this I in a sense is just that we get so used to make something out of the world exactly as if you were imagine, imagining that there is a spirit of the wind blowing start to go and look at the origin of the wind whatever that would be found to try to find but who is blowing now if we were thinking the fire is burning the same is as the fire decide well today I was burning I, yesterday I was not burning so today I will burn the quality of the fire is burning there is no decision, there is no separation, there is fire separate from burning. Fire is burning. If we say the fire is burning, then we don't need to look for something outside of this aspect of burning. In the same sense, seeing is seeing. And the eye is building up this kind of person through a concept that we believe is there, needed for seeing. But we wonder, we wonder what could this eye anyway do if seeing doesn't see so how could the eye see so seeing sees and that's enough so if the seeing sees so what is the eye used for it's a little bit like if we would say you know farmers are burning the field okay we imagine that there are farmers they are burning in the field 
now it's quite clear. But actually, the farmers are not burning the field because the farmers are not hot. You see the fire burning the field. Okay, the farmer we may think that they took the decision, whatever, but actually, with respect, with respect to the burning, the farmer do not do the burning. It is the fire who is burning. So in the same sense, when I say, I see, this I doesn't do anything. Seeing sees, hearing hears. In the same way for thinking. We have this way of making separation, working with outer phenomena, I see, different shape and colors, and that we brought this same separation within our own mind, I think the thoughts. But let's imagine if the thoughts were not of the mind, the quality of the mind, what would they be? Would they be outside of the mind? Would they be, would they be some material stuff? It can't be anything else than the mind, the thoughts. And since the mind's quality is to know, there is no need for knowing of the thoughts outside of the thoughts. But we build this sense, the wind is blowing, is like the th- thinker and the thought, exactly the same. So in our meditation, if we try to be at some distance and start to expect to discover the nature of the thought by observing them at some distance, then we are just here, we are holding on to a concept, a strong concept of the thinker and thought, and hoping to discover the essence of the mind. But as long as we hold on to those concepts and thoughts, we only discover concept and thought. Can't discover the quality of knowing, the quality of awareness. If we keep this notion of a thinker thinking the thought, being different from the thought. Sometimes in some text one speaks about the moving mind or abiding mind and the knowing mind, those three aspects, moving, resting, and the knowing. And those three actually are exactly the same. They imagine that something is, is moving, but moving, this sense of movement is only if we cling to the, to the context or to the content, so it's just awareness, moving, Abiding, when there is no, no movement, and the knowing aspect are not different. Abiding, moving, and the knowing aspect of it, which may appear in our meditation. When we read the description about how to meditate on the nature of the mind, this is quite fascinating and quite appealing. Seems so simple to let the mind rest in the present without creating anything, without interfering. That's fine, let's do it. can do that. To let the mind rest in the present without creating anything, without interfering. Well, it seems simple, and sometimes it may be so, so simple, but we may also experience in our meditation that there may be some clinging, that we may be doing things and we may be interfering and we say, well, I wish I would not do, I 
I know it says in the text and I believe it. don't do anything just do not interfere stay in the present without interfering well, I will try to do that but then I found that uh, still due to the two patterns yeah, some kind of thoughts coming and I'm maybe carried away by them or maybe I just I want to observe them I want to know them then I start to move around and I well I'm doing something so I should not do anything so I'll try to stop it and then I feel that I'm still manipulating my experience. So one may wonder then wh- what is to be done when one finds that one is not exactly <coughs> just simply resting with what's happening. Since we are not concentrating in anything, we are not choosing any field of experience like bodily sensation or the breath or whatever, where we could place our attention or focus our attention not doing that yet we are not being distracted just practicing distraction being carried away by all the experiences and thoughts not being misled so what, what should we do then not concentrate neither being distracted So it is said then, look at the mind and the observer and the meditator. Find that very often and look at the mind, look at the thought, look at the observer or the meditator. But that seems to be a very awkward expression. Look at the mind, look at the observer or the meditator because that's exactly perpetuating the sense of duality and distance if we use look, and that's what the term uh, are used, especially in, in Tibetan use exactly the word to look outside because there is no word for this quality which is required in the meditation quality which is required quality of presence which is not something that one is using in one's daily life one is very one has difficulty to find a proper word. So we see here in the tradition they use in a very rough way to look, to observe and I think that can be misleading. In English we have mindfulness which is ma- it seems much better from the way I understand uh, the term in English but in Sanskrit or in Tibetan the term mindfulness is a, a name that's fine like the four foundation of mindfulness but if we use in the same sense to be mindful of then the Tibetan term will be to remember so immediately come to something of remembering so it is very difficult to describe this quality that would uh, be uh, required from the mind not to be distracted yet not to cling on to something so mindfulness in in English quite uh, a good word Actually, one uh, Tibetan Lama used a term, Patul Rinpoche, which seems to uh, bring some element of, of balance. He used the term to rest, to rest. He described that uh, the practice. Don't try to place your mind inwardly. Don't try to observe an object outwardly. 
resting the observer, the thinker, mind itself, without fabricating anything. So he uses this term to rest, which seems already um, not to perpetuate so much a sense of, of distance, uh, to, to look or to observe, which uh, uh, we find a little uh, skillful to use. Tientin Inbuchi once described that, he said, you look at the mind in a way of not looking at anything. When the looker and what is looked at are one, so there is no distance, there is no separation between that which looks and that which is looked at. There is no separation, no duality, it's exactly the same, the same aspect. And this quality, which is uh, to be cultivated and, and developed, whenever one feels that one is mm, distracted in one's meditation, lost, or clinging to the notion of an observer, clinging to the notion of a meditator, means that one is always in one's mind, is like one is holding firmly to some concept, and this holding to some concept make it difficult for the quality of the awareness to appear. If one finds that, then one would need to rest in the observer itself, in the meditator itself, in the thinker, and to rest in, just to rest in that, and therefore will discover the mind, nature, or the awareness nature of the observer, of the thinker, of the meditator. Just to rest in whatever is experienced, and thinking when they are thinking, observing when they are observing. So the skill is, when the meditation some of the distraction appear, or concept appear in our meditation, just to rest within the experience, the observer, the thinker, or whatever. When one can rest in that, then one is, at this time, exactly in the mind, there is no at this time no distraction, no concept. The observer, the meditator, the thinker, is not experienced as hiding, covering the nature of awareness. So the skill is there to, to be developed, not to try to, to bring something, if we were to bring something, still would be the meditator, one would then rest in the bringer. So at every instant, if we feel that the man is distracted and in a sense, there is an element of confusion. It is to rest in the confused mind because the nature of the confused mind is awareness at every instant. That's the, skillful, the skillfulness which is required so not to be concentrated, place the mind in some kind of field of experience, bodily sensation, hearing or whatever, but rest in the awareness of whatever is happening. And if there is an observer, a meditator, a thinker, rest in that. Now when I say rest in that, we have the sense that there is a rester and there is a resting place, but let's remember what he said, there will be no distinction between a rester and a resting place. Let me just that. The simplicity of that.
that what one would try to, to develop and that where some uh, sense of um, intention or diligence is required in our meditation. At times, possible that the mind is well balanced, there's no need to have any intention. If one finds that the mind is clinging and distracted and confused, then this element of mindfulness, simply resting in the experience, is needed. Otherwise, if one doesn't do that, one is just clinging to some kind of experience. The tendency sometimes may be, since the mind has nowhere to, or no content to cling to, where the mind could find some rest, clinging to some, so to speak, to some experience, it is that one may build up an object which uh, does not appear so much as distraction. It will be something like clinging to a concept of vastness, a concept, a certain concept of vastness or clarity or whatever. If one were to cling to that, then one may believe, oh, I'm just resting in awareness, but they may be just clinging to some kind of experience. Some experience may arise in our practice. Naturally, it may be just experience of, of bliss, experience of clarity, or experience of absence of any content. And if one were to cling to any of those experiences, quite subtle, then one at this time would simply, clinging to be through some concept of that, one will just bring some sense of veil and not just rest in, in awareness. So, whatever the experience, bliss, clarity, not to grasp at that, but just to rest in the experience itself, not grasping at it. So those are a few reflections about uh, uh, the mind, giving some guideline for our uh, practice, so we may just I spend a few minutes in silence. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.